Hi, this is Andy Robinson, Elam Garrick on Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little podcast this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Failure to tune in would not sit well with the Obsidian Order. Biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. This is Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. Greetings, friends. Happy New Year to all of you. As you know, we had a bit of a holiday break. We took a few weeks off to enjoy time with our families, and we are back. And by we, I mean me. I'm your co host, Bill Smith. And well, you know, they say time is the fire in which we burn. And if I had to select someone to set a flame, it would be my co-host, the very incendiary and flammable Dan Davidson. Dan, Happy New Year, brother. Happy New Year to you. Wow, I was really loving that for for just a second. And then, as usual, it went to where it usually goes. But uh, yeah. Setting you on fire. Exactly. Happy New Year to you. You kind of had a little Johnny Carson in there. We are back. That was good. I liked it. I was unintentional, I assure you, sir. <laughs> it was very good. Uh, did you have a good holiday? I did. We had a great time. Yeah, nice, uh, nice, easy, laid-back Christmas. We got to see my wife's parents. We saw my mom. Um, yeah, we had a we had a great time. We just we kind of spent Christmas Day kind of low key, which was awesome. How about you? Very good. We actually have two that we celebrate um, Christmas Day here with my immediate family and my in laws, and then uh, the week later for New Year's Eve, we go down to Nashua to visit my. Uh, parents, brother, sister, um, um, the big family, and have a second Christmas with everyone. And that was just last weekend, and we had a great time, dude. I got to tell you, I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit it. I got some pretty awesome Star Star Trek swag. I'm rocking the Star <laughs> Trek swag, Mister, and I'm I, not afraid about it. I actually got one Star Trek thing, really, and I got a boatload of Star Wars things. <laughs> See. <laughs> well, you know, I don't hate Star Wars. No, it's no. just if if I'm going to prioritize, it's always going to be Trek first, Wars second. Yep. But my in-laws did get me a really cool iHome Bluetooth speaker, which is a Tie Fighter. I saw the picture on Facebook, and I was—I'm not afraid to lie—I was pretty jealous of that. I, it is awesome. I love it. But don't be surprised if I come visit you in your house, and then all of a sudden it's gone. You're not getting in this door. I <laughs> <laughs> no, also got some. Some Star Wars Legos, which was great. So it was a, a great time. How about uh, your haul, Monfrey? Oh, man. I uh, I started off with, um, I got a Star Trek Winter's hat, which is command gold with the insignia. and got a matching scarf, which was awesome. Um, I think you saw the picture on Facebook of my giant Star, uh, Star Trek command gold Snuggy blanket. Uh, <laughs> I did. I've, I've wrapped in several times already. And I'm going to be rocking this thing out in Vegas to no end. I got the official Star Trek Command Gold backpack, and it is really nice. It's got <laughs> niceness written all over it. 
And the cool part about it is there's an imprint of the Enterprise on the back of the backpack. So the Enterprise is always up against me when we're walking. Oh, isn't that sweet? <laughs> it cares. Yes. Um, Star Trek alarm clock that actually uh, shines the time up on the ceiling. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, very, very cool. Because I'm always one. I'm a very light sleeper, and I wake up a lot at night, and I'm always curious as to what time it is. Yeah. And now I just got to press the button and boom, it, the nacelles light up and then the clock is on the ceiling. Oh, man, that's cool. It's very cool. And if I set the alarm, it's all kinds of Captain Kirk phrases. But you're very loud, so I don't use that alarm. Because <laughs> your wife would kill you. Yes. Yeah. So it was a great Star Trek holiday, Star Trek dress socks, all kinds of all kinds of fun stuff. Well, my friend, we're in the new year. It yeah. is 2016. It is officially the 50th anniversary year for Star Trek. Unbelievable. I... Uh, I smile from ear to ear every time I say the phrase yeah. because this is our year, not it ours is. as Trek geeks, but I mean, mm-hmm. every Star Trek fan on the planet, this is our year. Yep. And it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a great year. I think there's going to be a lot of things to celebrate. Um, they've already started uh, a little bit. Uh, of course, Vegas in August. Uh, it's going to be awesome to, to watch it unfold. Um, all the positive things that are going to come out. And of course, we're going to see lots of maybe not so positive things come out as a result of this being the 50th year, uh, which we'll get into later. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now, let's let's talk about the positive real quick. Yeah, we have Star Trek Beyond. Yes. Beyond. Star Trek Beyond. Thank you. Happening this summer. Yep. We have the 50th anniversary convention this summer. Yeah. We have pre-production starting for a new Star Trek series this year, debuting one year from right now. Yep. So when we kick off 2017, we will be imminently expecting the premiere of the new Star Trek series. And I'm hoping that we've talked about this before. I hope they show the actual first episode on network television to grab a lot of people to go in and then start watching it online, which I'm, I'm sure both of us are going to be doing no matter what. I mean, that's a no brainer. Th- that is the plan. They are going to yeah. show it on CBS television, which Good. is America's most watched network. Trailer. Yes, that's right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of great stuff. There's a lot of little things going on. There's going to be a lot of tie-ins with merchandise through the entire year, which of course will suck me right in because I go for all <laughs> of that stuff. Um, I've always been sad that they've never had a Lego set for Star Trek. You talked about what you got for Christmas for Star Wars. Yeah. But, uh, the, is it Duplo? Uh, Mega Blocks. Mega Blocks is going to be coming out with a series of uh, of merchandise over the year, and in the fall they're going to have a three thousand piece Enterprise, which I will be slapping down my two hundred and fifty dollars for. Uh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking forward to that. Well, one of the things that we are going to be doing to celebrate the fiftieth anniversary is our Trek Fifty project, which we're going to talk about later on. Mm-hmm. But it will give everybody a chance to participate and by everybody we mean anyone that wants to yep um pretty cool it's going to be listener driven and we hope it'll be something special for everybody because we are one trek family yep in, in our estimation so and i will throw out the kudos to you this was your idea and it's a brilliant idea i think people are going to love it uh it's like you said it's going to give everybody a chance to be involved and i'm looking forward to seeing the response that we get me too yeah. You know, yeah, it's be it's going to be something that's running through most of 2016, probably mm-hmm. till August. Yep. So probably two thirds of the year so that, you know, on in September of, of this year, we can drop, you know, the uh, the end result of it out for everybody to hear. But we'll talk more about that later. OK. OK. Thank you. Thank you, sir. 
Well, Dan, one of the things we want to talk about up front that happened while we were on our little break Mm -hmm. was there was a new trailer for Star Trek Beyond (laughs) dropped just before Star Wars The Force Awakens. Yes, um, it got leaked online. And uh, as a result, Paramount, I think, was very smart in doing this, decided to just release it officially um, before um, Star Wars The Force Awakens actually hit theaters. Um, We'll get into what we liked and what we didn't like in a minute, I think. But one of the things that I found interesting, Bill, and I'd like to get your take on it, was um, social media's reaction, again, was just off the rails, in my opinion. Yeah, it was, it was a little disheartening. Yeah. I mean, I understand that people may not like, you know, the, the 90 seconds out of a two-hour movie that they saw. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've heard some people say it's essentially the Fast and the Furious for Star Trek. And I think they're only saying that because Justin Lin is the director and they forget exactly. he's directed other things. Yep. yep. Um, but, you know, when I hear the comments that, that he made after yes. the trailer was released, and that Simon Pegg, the like co-writer May. of the movie made, it gives me a little more hope. Yes. I mean, I, I, well, why don't we get into it now? I mean, there were things that I definitely did not like up front. Mm-hmm. The motorcycle. Motorcycle. And one of the things that I can agree with uh, is the music playing in the background. I know I understand it was a, an homage to the scene where young Kirk was driving the car uh, in the first reboot because it was the same music playing, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Yep. Um, so I get it. But, eh, you know, to go back to what you were saying about, you know, the Fast and the Furious Star Trek version, I can understand why they're doing that in the trailer. A trailer wants to be an exciting. You don't want a boring, you know, notebook for a trailer. You don't want the notebook as a trailer when you're looking at a Star Trek film. You right. want excitement. You want action. Um, so I can appreciate that he did it for the trailer. Uh, but at the same time, his comments that this is going to be a Star Trek movie and the uh, trailer is not necessarily what the movie is going to be like was very reassuring to me. I didn't have a problem with the music because it established a part of Kirk's character in Star Trek 2009. Okay. I think it was, you know, it showed his, his juvenile delinquent side, his rebellious side, his, you know, disregard for authority at that age. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if we're going to see any of that in this movie, but it at least is a bit of a touchstone back to that movie. And plus I like the song. I, kinda, I do like the song too. I'm kind of glad it wasn't just, you know, space opera, you know, film score music because fans who were seeing that trailer and this trailer was specifically geared towards star Wars fans mm-hmm. are seeing something action packed that makes them go. Oh, Hey, yeah. I suspect that later trailers we see won't look like that very much at all. Yeah. Okay. Good point. I, um, uh, I, I can, uh, I can give you that one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, um, I did like, uh, I did like, and I didn't like the enterprise. I always love the way the enterprise looks in these movies. I don't like that. It looks like yet again, there's going to be like unbelievable damage to the ship. If not destroyed completely. I think she's going to get destroyed completely. And I think that much like, you know, there was, Something that mirrored Star Trek 2. I think that this is going to mirror something in Star Trek 3. Okay. And I'm kind of bummed about that because yeah. by the time the Enterprise was destroyed in Star Trek 3, she was a character. 
Mm-hmm. You know, in the series, they always treated the ship like, you know, a lady. You treat her like a lady, she'll always bring you home, that kind of yep. idea. Mm-hmm. And in all of the movies, with the exception of, well, actually, no, you can count the motion picture too. The Enterprise has not been the revered character it always was throughout the series. Right. In TMP, she wasn't ready. Yep. Star Trek II, she was a training ship. Yep. In Star Trek Three, she was being decommissioned. She wasn't in Star Trek IV with the exception of a kicker scene at the end of the movie. And it wasn't even the Enterprise. Yeah. And five, it was a bucket of bolts that was practically falling apart. Yep. Six, it got the crap kicked out of it. Mm-hmm. Generations destroyed. Yep. First contact, assimilated by the Borg. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, insurrection, uh, got the crap kicked out of it. And the manual steering column. Who could forget that? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. What, I was, was going to be like, dude, you're forgetting something. But <laughs> Nemesis got the crap kicked out of it. Yeah. Oh nine, they they kind of fly her apart a little bit. The bridge starts cracking. Yep. Um, we all know what happened in In a Darkness, where mm-hmm. it was practically destroyed and was in free fall. Yep. So something happens. Something is not right with the Enterprise in every film, and I think this is just going to continue that trend because it's happened in the twelve movies previous. Okay. Still, even though one of my best scenes, one of my favorite things to watch in any of the 12 movies is that ship coming up out of the clouds in, 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 in a darkness. That is just fantastic. <laughs> my word. First time in 2016, because that's what it is. <laughs> well, in 09, there's a similar shot just in space from a nebula. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. You I know, love so it. There are a couple of, you know, of a very similar type things. One of, the shots that was not my favorite was it rising out of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't like that. It I wonder cool, why. But it's just, uh, okay. So mm-hmm. how about some things we did like? I liked the, um, the, the new, the new girl. I don't know what, if she even has a name yet. The new, the female character that's going to be in it. The character played by Sophia Butella. Yes. I don't, I don't, <laughs> they gave us her name. I don't remember it. I don't have it in front of me, but she does look pretty fierce. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, looks like she's going to be a good character. And even though we don't really get to see or hear him much, uh, the uh, Idris, is that his, how you pronounce his first Idris name? Idris Elba. I like him. I like him in the Thor movies. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing him as the quote unquote villain. Hopefully they won't go over the top with the villain like they've done in some of the movies, but I think he could be a good, uh, a good addition to the Star Trek family. I agree with that. I've liked Idris Elba for a long time. Um, pretty much anything he's in because he's fantastic. He did a great series of guest appearances on the American version of The Office. Okay. I've never seen The Office. Um, Just before Michael Scott formed his own paper company. Okay. And uh, it it was hilarious. So, but I'm looking forward to seeing him in this. He looks fearsome. Mm hmm. You know, and you know these this race. I mean, people say this this doesn't look like Star Trek already. I see part of that, but I also see, you know, strange new worlds. Yeah, you know, we, this is an alien species we've never made contact with before, and they look pretty deadly. Yeah, they do. And the girl's character, we've talked about this um, off show, and I've, and right now because of all the things we got to talk about tonight, I can't think of the name of them. The very beginning of In the Darkness, Nabooru, the Narobu. Uh, the Nibiru. Nibiru, thank you. She looks a lot like them, but we both agree that we don't know how it could be because they would have to advance in technology a lot in a very short time. Her skin looks that 
you know, stark white with, yeah. you know, the black markings on it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the Nibiru, they almost look like they were mud encrusted, like some, yep. you know, uh, tribes, yep. um, you know, here on earth. Gotcha. You know, like yeah. you see in National Geographic back in the day. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, maybe there's out. something to explain it, but uh, my gut says no. But in any event, come July, all questions are going to be answered. I love the scene between um, Bones and Spock, by the way. (laughs) Yes, that's great. That may be the best uh, part of the trailer. And what I think would have been really great is if that was the last scene of this trailer. If they saved that for last and typical that and then just ended it with the with the beyond that would have been perfect. Very, very. He's such a good McCoy. Carl Urban is so good at, 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 at reigning in the McCoy character, I think. You know, there are some people who don't like Zachary Quinto as Spock, and I have to disagree. Uh, I think he does a fantastic job as Spock, especially yeah. against Carl Urban. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that was really good. I will say one of the things that I didn't like, and somebody else has talked to me about this a couple of times, and I, and I apologize that I can't remember who it was because I've had a lot of conversations about the trailer. The scene where Scotty is jumping out of the escape pod or whatever yeah. looks odd. And at first I thought it looked really cool, but then I talked to this person and and said they said it didn't look right. And I've watched it several times since, and it does look very, very strange. Now, granted, there could be a lot of changes um, in the movie. They could show only parts of that scene and kind of m- try to make it flow together in the trailer so it won't be that exact thing. But it looked a little off to me. Yeah, I can understand that. I um, I, the thing that I don't get is why do all the escape pods look like glass coffins? <laughs> Mark four torpedoes box in there. I mean, you know, in in Deep Space Nine, in uh, First Contact, when you saw escape pods, they were big. They held you could tell they held a bunch of people. Yep. Um, these look like all single yeah. single person units and. They look like coffins. I'm just going to say. <laughs> they have photon, photon torpedo tube casings. Well, at one point, it looks like we see the entire crew of the Enterprise marooned on this planet. Mm-hmm. So no that'll shit. be interesting. Yep. Yeah, it's happened a couple of times in the original series. Yep. So, um, I, I will say the other thing that I didn't like, based on what we've seen so far in the two JJ-verse movies, is these new uniforms that they have. Like the perfect example is the Kirk, uh, excuse me, the Spock McCoy scene. Yeah. All of them have their blue tunics on. They're completely different than other, the, the previous two movies. I don't like the look of them, at least from what I've seen so far. I like them better than the ones in the two JJ movies. Oh, I not really. I don't, I like the ones in the JJ movies a lot. Because more. to me, the ones in the JJ movies look like pajamas. And these ones look like they're almost a cross between the original series and the motion picture where they start to bring those necklines up and create those shoulders. I don't, I don't mean that so much. I mean the material like uh, in the, in the first two movies, it's kind of a shinier material and it looks like a lot of them. It looks like there's like little circles. Uh, that's kind of a weird way. They're little deltas. That's what they are. Yeah. I, I like that. It doesn't look like they have it in these. Yeah. They that, don't. Always, I don't, that was always something I liked. I didn't like that. Okay. Well, I don't like you. Hey, we disagree. What? <laughs> No, no, it's, it is. A, there's a lot to talk about. I can't wait for the next one because I'm sure there's going to be another one coming out in a few months uh, as it gets closer. You really think CBS and Paramount are going to let them stop now? No, <laughs> they'll recast they? if they have to. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, um, no, I mean another trailer. 
Oh, I, th- I meant movie. <laughs> I'm like, what? No, no, no. The next trailer because they always will have. They always do a couple. So I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, that 90 second one was kind of short as far as trailer goes. There should be a a two and a half, three minute one coming out within the next couple of months. I think. Yeah, yeah, that'll be that'll be looking for that one. Oh, maybe for the Super Bowl there'll be an ad campaign. That would be awesome. That could be cool. Yep. Who the Pats going to be playing? Uh, at this rate, yeah, not nobody. the Pats. <laughs> Which will delight some in our audience, without yes, doubt. I'm sure. <laughs> it's okay. Well, Dan, why don't we move on? Okay. So, the other huge piece of news that occurred while we were on vacation was that CBS and Paramount have joined together to bring a lawsuit against Axanar Productions and Alec Peters, who is the executive producer of Axanar, a project that you and I have both donated to on two separate occasions. Mm -hmm. We are donors. um, And it's a a movie that, that we support. We've had Alec on this podcast twice, once at our invitation and once when he asked us. Mm Mm-hmm. And we want to state right off the bat that we're not lawyers. No, that we're not we attorneys. We do not claim to know the intricacies of intellectual property law, nor would we profess that we do. Right. Uh, absolutely. We ha- also have no axe to grind with Alec, with Rob Burnett, or anyone else associated with Axenar. Mm-hmm. We are not haters, um, but rather we are donors. Yep, And we have observed things and have questions and concerns as donors that we feel we're justified in asking, partly because it's our right as donors and partly, I think, because it's our responsibility. We've, we've promoted their crowdfunding on our podcast to mm-hmm. our listeners. Yep, absolutely. And that says something of our credibility, too. Exactly. So at this point, I think it's good if we talk about the circumstances regarding the lawsuit, mm-hmm. and then we'll dip into some of the, the questions that, that we have. Does that sound fair? Sure, that sounds fair. I think one of the things I would want to add before we start with that is, in addition to us being donors and having questions and concerns, as Star Trek fans, we're very concerned about if this is going to start the snowball that we've all feared for a long time uh, in regards to fan production. We'll get into that a little bit more, but... Uh, I, I, I'm not as concerned about that, and we'll get into why in a little bit, but we should also say we want to see this movie made. Oh, absolutely. Prelude was one of my favorites, uh, favorite fan productions I've ever seen. It was, it was phenomenal. We, we love the concept for Action R. We love the story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's why we donated. Yep. <laughs> absolutely. Um, you we know, wanna, we, go ahead. Hey, I was going to say, we, wanna, we want this to be resolved um, so that the movie can be made uh, mm-hmm. and that f- millions of fans that have seen Prelude and the short six-minute um, uh, featurette that came out a few months ago can watch it and enjoy it because it's it looks like it'll be awesome. It, it does. And I, I think that's why so many people are passionate and excited about this, regardless of what stance they're taking, quite mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. You know, we... Um, we we hope that a resolution is found so that this is made and fans all over the world can enjoy it. That's our that's our stance. Absolutely. Yep. 100%. So that said, 
let's, I'll run down the details that we know right off the bat. Okay. We know from Alex's posts on social media that he found out on social media that he was being sued after the Hollywood Reporter leaked a story. Right. The lawsuit was served at Aerie Studios, as I understand. And CBS and Paramount are suing for copyright infringement as well as damages and injunctive relief. So meaning, in other words, they want to stop this movie dead in its tracks. Um, And they want this lawsuit to serve as a precedent for other actions they may bring someday. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the key word. Right. Um, Right now, Axanar is the only production being sued in this manner. Yep. So that brings up an important question. Why aren't other fan productions being sued at this point? Yeah, it's a very good question. I think um, one of the main reasons uh, would be because XNR has raised the most money, uh, and it advertises itself as a product. Excuse me, as a professional production, and not a fan film. But let me let me step back. They advertised itself past tense as a professional production and not a fan film. Right. Um, they've stated on their on their website that uh, Alec had no interest in making a quote unquote fan film key to that being until the lawsuit occurred. Um, (laughs) I don't mean to chuckle, but it's, it's kind of humorous to me in a a sad way. Exactly. Yeah. And it it is, it's very disappointing. Um, Alex's response to the lawsuit, which came out that night or the next day was calling it a fan film. Um, So it seems that it changed based on the fact that the suit came about. It's yeah. It changed when it, it appeared to become convenient for it to be called a fan film because everything else since or before this has been, it's an independent production. It's a professional production. We heard him say that to us several times, bringing in Uh, professional actors, uh, professional crew members. They're not, you know, dealing with volunteers, Mm -hmm. at least not in the vast majority of the work. Yeah. Um, Which is, you know, that was their decision and and that's the way Mm -hmm. it goes. But, at, at this point, when you're creating a professional production that's raised $1.1 million. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's going to make somebody, in this case CBS, go, oh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that's, I mean, one of the things that I found irritating might be the good word. Yeah. In regards to what happened that day the suit dropped was people – posing questions. Well, how come they're not doing this to this production or this production? Because they've raised a couple hundred thousand dollars for their production. A couple hundred thousand dollars is not $1.1 million. And we're talking about $1.1 million for one, what they call a feature film. We'll just call it a movie. Yep. A feature film to me is something a studio releases that's going to be seen in theaters. Mm -hmm. Um, But here's, here's part of the other problem with this. And this is the big problem. This is, this is my, one of my biggest concerns about this entire project now that the suit has come about. And I fear that Axanar is in jeopardy because of this decision. Axanar has built Airy Studios, which after they shoot Axanar, they plan to use to launch other business. Right. And we asked Alec, what do they do after Axanar? And they said, well, we'll continue to, to make stuff. Yep. But, you know, on the official Axonar podcast in episode 20, around the 45 minute mark, Alex says, I'm sorry, Rob and Alec, I should say, talk about the fact that they want to start a subscription based sci fi portal 
out of Airy Studios after Axanar, where people pay five mm-hmm. to ten bucks a month and they get original content, you know, kind of like Amazon or Hulu or Netflix. Right. And I I've got a huge problem with that because that's huge not what that. I donated to. And I think where I get concerned is because that studio was built from my, from what I understand is from donations. Mm-hmm. And if they're going to then turn around and make money off of things that they make at that studio that was built with funds for Axonar, they're making money off Star Trek in a way. Not even they in a the way. Studio. They are. Yeah. And that's, if they do that. I, I totally can see what what the problem is essentially you know i i as a donor i feel like my donation to make a fan film has gone or has become the seed money for the startup of a film studio and yep. you know people say well why not the other productions well this is something the other productions are not doing the sets they've built are right. for making fan star trek films or fan episodes right they are not to create a subscription-based portal that creates other sci-fi. And in one other episode of the Axonar podcast, they mentioned how they'd like to make a horror movie or at least something they own the intellectual property of, the IP. I think and, they actually mentioned that on our podcast, if I remember correctly. Uh, they may have, but I remember hearing yeah. it on the Axonar podcast, I'm sure. Yeah. But that's, that's not what I donated money for. Right. I, now, I will say this. Um, if I if I could, let me just jump yeah, in for a ahead. second. I will say this: I am sure that have let's put the suit aside for a second. Yeah, they're gonna make they would make a fantastic Axonar movie with the donations that people gave. That of that, I have no doubt. Right. It's after the fact. Yeah, and that's exactly where you and I agree with. That's not what we donated for. You know, building a sustainable business based on the donations of Star Trek fans is in itself the grossest uh, form of profit. Because once Axanar is over and done, you know, at one point Alec was talking about doing a sci-fi film school there and people could film their own stuff on the sets of Axanar and, you know, all kinds of things. But once Axanar is over, you know, and those sets are, are dismantled someday, then... That's mm-hmm. it. That's it. Then it becomes something that has already been built. The warehouse has already been up converted into a, a sound stage. And all of those startup costs are something they don't have to incur. They just have to keep the lights on. And that in itself, to me, I'm not an expert, but to me as a donor, that seems like the ability to own or to start a business off of this is in itself profit. Right. Yeah. It's. Now, again, we're not lawyers, and, and I wouldn't know the first thing about accounting and, and stuff like that. I will leave that to the lawyers and the accountants. But as fans watching this closely, as we like to do, it just doesn't it doesn't look right. It doesn't feel right. And based on stuff that we've read from both sides of the fence, it's, it's going to get ugly. Well, and here's, here's the other thing that makes me scratch my head. So... You know, we talked about the fact when we talked to Alec on our podcast that they've built a digital content delivery system. Mm-hmm. So Aries Digital, which is their proprietary stuff, mm-hmm. 
Alec admits in episode 31 of the Axonar podcast that it was built to compete with BackerKit. That's mm-hmm. the, you know, the backer tracking system that's used for like Kickstarter and designed to be a source of income. Yes. And that it could make Airy Studios self-sufficient in 12 months. And that was at the time of that recording. That's, that's not what I signed on for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, it all comes back to self-sufficient in 12 months. That means that their money's coming in, which is what you can't do when you're doing Star Trek. Right. I, and, the, and I, you know what, Dan, I've been stammering like that a lot myself the past few days as I look at all this <laughs> because it wasn't until the suit that I took a step back and said, what's going on? You know, I donated money to this. Does this mean it's not going to happen now? And there's a definite possibility that that could happen. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it's more than a, more than a possibility, unfortunately. So, I noticed that the timing of this suit was interesting. Some people will say, well, yeah, it was right after the Star Trek Beyond trailer was released. But more specifically, it was right after version two of the Axonar annual report was released to to donors. And one of the things that is upsetting a lot of people is that Axonar is paying a salary to certain individuals according to the annual report. Now, we stipulate that it's not a great amount of money. You know, Alec is making you know, uh, 38 grand a year, you know, that's his salary, but Mm -hmm. it's a fan film, right? No one running the production should be getting a salary. That's not what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. You know, he, Alec is an entrepreneur. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, it's a common theme. We've said that how many times now, and we're going to continue to say it. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's got to be hit. Hard, I think. You know, Alec is an entrepreneur, and in his bio on the Axonar website, that's one of the first things that it mentions. You know, he's he's got another business. He's he he is yeah. PropWorks. Yeah. You know, yeah, I right. I understand that Axonar is taking up a chunk of his time, but I I don't hear of other fan films paying their executive producer an annual salary. Right. And it's interesting because I know that um, uh, Alec has several times said, hey, we want to be as as transparent as possible. Here's the report. Every And how many have come out, actually, Bill? Do you uh, recall? There have been the, the two, the version one and the version two that I'm aware of. Okay. okay. Um, and that, I think, may be his biggest Achilles heel in this is is that annual report. I think because it's basically for what you just said a minute ago, as well as other things. I think it's what's made a lot of people sit back since this lawsuit and go, really? Yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm partly guilty of this myself. I mean, I sort of sat back and took it on faith that, you know, they're doing what they need to do. But now that there's the danger that this project might not continue, depending on the outcome of this suit, I'm saying to myself, well, what gives? Right. Why are we in this state? Why, as a donor, you know, might my donation have gone into a, a big black hole? Mm-hmm. You know, and we should also state right now that, you know, we, again, we support seeing this film made. Yes, we want absolutely. to see this movie. We're, you know, we're not 
doing this to make anybody upset, but we feel that we have the right to ask these questions because we took our hard-earned money Mm -hmm. and donated it to this project. And now we're not saying it's thousands of dollars. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it's our money. And it's exactly the amount, the amount is irrelevant. I think it's money they didn't have before we donated it. And that was true Mm -hmm. of everybody that donated. Right. So another thing that kind of rubs me the wrong way, and I've been, I have to admit, I've been listening to the Axnar podcast since the beginning. So, I mean, mm-hmm. and I went back and listened to a couple of episodes again that I knew had some of this stuff just to be sure I got it right. And Axnar, according to Alec, in episode 31 of the Axnar podcast has its own licensing program for products. Right. So <laughs> there are official Axnar model kits for sale in the donor store. And there are game pieces that were made like the old FASA playing pieces that, that Alec has talked about with us before. Yep. And they've created a licensing program for inter- intellectual property they do not own. Exactly. They don't even own the name Axonar because that's a name from Canon. Yep. You know? Yep. And he's, I mean, like you said, he's come right out and said that they have this licensing program. Uh, they license the kits, size. Um, I mean, I, it's stammering, like you said. It's, it's, I just find myself doing that all the time when I'm talking about this. I'm talking to somebody at my work the other day about it because they didn't know about it. And he said, what is going on? And I probably stammered 10 or 12 times trying to explain, to my knowledge, what was going on. Yeah. I mean let's reiterate right here because we've seen a lot of posts on either side of this. Yes. There are people who are using the hashtag. I stand with Axonar and there are people using the hashtag. I stand with CBS. CBS and Paramount aren't doing anything wrong here. Nothing wrong. This is their right and recourse under the law. Mm -hmm. They have the right to do this and they don't have to issue a cease and desist before filing suit. Yep. You know, they own the property. You know, some people have talked about Gene's wishes upon his death, and that's irrelevant exactly. because he didn't own Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and um, uh, that's a very important point. Um, I just started watching not too long ago Chaos on the Br- Chaos on the Bridge. Yeah. Um, and that's something that is made very clear at the very beginning. Is you know he was brought on to Next Generation as a consultant because he didn't own the rights. Yeah. And people to this day still think he did and his family does. Right. And they don't. Or else, you know, Rod Roddenberry wouldn't be running Roddenberry.com, quite honestly. Exactly. You know, it it doesn't matter that CBS didn't produce a Star Trek series in the last decade. It just, it doesn't. Whether they were using the property or not to actively make content is, is irrelevant because they were licensing the hell out of it for the last 10 years. Right. There's exactly. more Star Trek products now than probably at any time in the past. Mm-hmm. That's all money in CBS's pocket. Exactly. Yep. Yep. As That's evident awesome. by my swag that I got for Christmas. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I, it also doesn't matter if the fans like the new movies or they don't. Yeah. Yep. You know, there's no fair Which use. It doesn't here. even make sense to me. Why do people think that that has any relevance? 
I think it's because they feel that the Star Trek they know and love has been eroding away before their eyes since Enterprise was canceled. Wow. And now these movies to them are the greatest affront because there's no Gene's vision in it. Mm-hmm. That's my gut feeling. I mean, I don't feel that yeah. way. Yeah. You know, I, I certainly don't. The other thing I see commonly is that, well, if CBS had just come to them and said, hey, let's, uh, let's work together on this, they don't have to do that. No, they, they don't they, have to at all. They own the store. Mm-hmm. It's theirs. Why would they work with somebody to split things when they own the whole kit and caboodle to begin with? Right. Yep. It, I, seems, pretty, it seems pretty cut and dry to me. Well, maybe it is and maybe it isn't because, you know, we only get part of the story. You know, the lawsuit only tells us so much. Alec only tells us so much. You know, CBS isn't going to say a thing. And right now, Alec won't say anything. And I wouldn't expect him to because he's a lawyer. And he knows that if he Mm -hmm. talks about this lawsuit, it's just going to get entered into the record. (laughs) Right. So we understand why CBS and Paramount have brought this suit. But you know what, Dan? I just don't understand how he couldn't have seen this coming. You know, he met with them this summer. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, in Vegas. Yeah. yeah. And he, if correct me if I'm wrong, um, he talked about or posted his thoughts on that meeting with CBS on the XNR website. He did. And said everything was great. Yeah. In fact, here's, here's the, the first bullet point from that post. So there was a website called The Wrap, which posted an article about, you know, how XNR has avoided being shut down to this point. And this was uh, August 25th. So it was definitely after the convention. And they talk about the fact that Alec mm-hmm. met with CBS. And, you know, Alec says, quote, I met with CBS while at the Las Vegas Star Trek convention. The meeting was with two of the top people in CBS, and they were very frank about Axanar. And while I can't talk about most of what we discussed over the 30 minutes we chatted, I can tell you a few things. They told us everyone at CBS and Paramount was aware of Axanar. They told us that we are certainly doing more than any fan film before, and that is some people concerned. We also discussed that CBS will not tell us what we either can or cannot do for legal reasons. They are very clear that they do not want to give guidance because it could negatively impact their IP rights. Yes, we are left to make assumptions, and if we cross the line, the lawyers will let us know. That's what he said. So clearly, <laughs> they let him know. He knew. Yep. So yes. a quote from the rap story that I thought was most interesting was a quote from a, an unnamed spokesman at CBS. And this is a quote from the paragraph from the rap. It says, quote, CBS has not authorized, sanctioned, or licensed this project in any way, and this has been communicated to those involved. A representative from the network told The Wrap, we continue to object to professional commercial ventures trading off our property rights and are considering further options to protect these rights, end quote. So there's the warning right there. In the place. I mean, that could not be spotlights on it, um, sirens going off. That should have thrown up a lot of red flags. It's the beacon the Enterprise drops to warn people, don't go to this planet. Yep. Yep. You know, danger, Will Robinson, danger. 
Here there would be dragons. That's the wrong show, but Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> so um, the rap quotes CBS is saying in no uncertain terms, cut this out or we're going to consider further options, i.e. legal options to protect our rights because those are the only ones they have. Yep. Yep. Let me ask you this, and this is just conjecture. This is just yep. your opinion and my opinion. Yep. Based on those quotes, what do you think their options could have been? To stop Axonar or to stop the building of the studio, stop the licensing, stop the digital content stuff? What do you think? Right now, they're kind of one and the same, aren't they? That's my concern. And so you got to wonder, they've been working on this project for so long, and now this comes out. Is it a we're not stopping now type of mentality? Yeah. Yeah. And well, that's kind of the 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 position that Axonar is taking, you know, they're, they're going ahead. I mean, Alec announced yeah. recently that he's recasting the role of captain Garth to a younger actor since yeah. this lawsuit yeah. has been brought, you know, and you know, he, he talked some about that. And so, I mean, they're, they're pressing forward. I don't know, you know, what mm-hmm. actor is going to want to get involved with a in, independent slash fan production. That's oh, yeah. currently under suit from the IP holder. And not just a small IP holder. They're, you know, uh, they're big. They're behemoth. Uh, behemoth. Um, and on that note, Bill, you, you talked about who's going to come on. I did find it very interesting. And and <clears throat> the timing of it, I thought, was somewhat um, questionable to me that that announcement came out that they were recasting Alex's part. Um, the reasons that he said on the website made sense. You know, he's not a professional actor. He's taken several classes and he thought it should go to someone who's a professional actor. Again, professional actors is part of the reason why they got in this problem. I think, um, wants to be a younger Garth, neither here nor there. I just thought it was very convenient that it happened when it did. Um, and I look at it as a possible trying to maybe appease a little bit. I could be totally off on that. That was just something that crossed my mind reading it. I think he's going to be um, a little busy coming up. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. I mean, um, but in, a little busy. Yeah. Well, but I mean, let's be honest, Dan. This is the first casting change that we've actually been told about as donors. That's a big, big topic that I want to get into. You're absolutely right. This is the first one that, as you said, we know about. Yeah. Because we found out about uh, a pretty substantial one. Right after the suit broke. So let's run it down, shall we? First, yeah, they first announced the Kickstarter, Michael Hogan from Battlestar Galactica, who played you know Colonel Ty, was on board as Captain Robert April. And then he wasn't. Yep. He just disappeared yep. from the page and we weren't told. Mm-hmm. Garrett Wong, they talked about many times on the podcast, was coming on board to play a Klingon. Yep. And in fact, Karn's sort of, you know, second guy. You know, they... They talked about it for several episodes, and all of a sudden, his picture and name fell off the website, and we were never told. Yep. yep. Tony Todd. That's the big one. Tony Todd leaves the production four months ago, and we yep. only find out on Twitter this past weekend because someone tweeted him about this to say they supported Axanar. And that's when he dropped the yep. bomb that and he's gone. Right. And then it turned into, unfortunately, what I thought was extremely unprofessional 
especially on Axanar's part, I got to say, it turned into a pissing match between the two of them. Yeah. Because there was stuff going back and forth. Um, yeah. I thought that was that left a sour taste in my mouth. I love Tony Todd. I love what he's done for Star Trek. He is one of those actors in Star Trek that will always be very special to a lot of people because of all of the different contributions he's given. And especially in Prelude, he was awesome. And I couldn't wait to see what they were going to do in the full length feature. But like you said, he left four months ago and nothing was told to the donors, to you, to me and the other people that have given over a million dollars that bothered bothers me a lot. Well, you know, I donated to this project based in part of the talent that was involved. Mm-hmm. including Tony Todd, including yep. Michael Hogan, including JG. You know, I, I was excited yep. about this because of the participation they had from, yep. you know, top names in sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And considering, and you mentioned this earlier, how we hear how transparent Axanar is and they care about the fans and the donors. Why the hell wasn't this news to us right right now why weren't we told you know is it the mindset oh gosh we don't want to upset everybody well that's too bad we've we've given the money we expect a certain thing to have certain things to happen sort of like stars if you want to look at it in a big picture we're stockholders now in axonar <laughs> well stockholders but want to be told what's going on with their company well but <laughs> the first thing they'll tell you is we're not we're donors you know we're not well investors. i well i mean that in i don't I don't. I don't mean that in the in the actual technical sense. I mean it as kind of a you know gentleman's agreement type thing. We're giving money, right? Tell us what's going on. That's what I mean by that. The Tony one was the one that really that really ticked me off the other day when I saw that, and then saw the things back and forth in regards to and on the website. Um, we were talking a few minutes ago about um, Alex's decision to step down as Captain Garth. They did mention by name that Tony wouldn't be back. And then they kind of kind of stuck it to him a little bit by giving a reason, which I didn't agree should have been in there. They did mention that people like Kate Vernon and JG are still on board. They also mentioned, if I am not mistaken, that um, Gary is still on board as Saval. Right. Um, which we'll get into that in a few minutes. Cause that could be a huge problem. Um, but uh, yeah, when, when people, the big name people are leaving, I, I definitely thought we should have been told when it happened and not four months later. You know, and it's interesting because over time on their website, those people who've been cast were initially listed as the cast for Star Trek Axanar. And over time, that list has been turned into the cast of Prelude, which led a lot of people to believe none of them were involved anymore. It wasn't until this week that Alex announced, you know, casting news because he had to, that we found out that some of those people were still on board. And then he drops yeah, it like you to get both. Jeff Combs, which I don't think is ever going to happen now. Right, right. Yep. Uh, uh, and who was the other one he wanted? Uh, he told us on our, our podcast. I believe he told us on our podcast about Jeffrey Combs. Who was the other one? Was Robert O'Reilly. Robert O'Reilly. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, and, hmm, I, don't, I don't know who's going to want to join in while all this litigation is going on. And again, we have nothing against anybody involved with Axenor. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. We, these are questions that come up to us as donors who are finding out mm-hmm. some of this information only because a lawsuit has been brought. And right. honestly, we should have been told before. Yeah. 
I feel slighted more than anything. Like Mm -hmm. I was good enough to have my money donated and that was it. You want a hug? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) So Um, one of the, one of the last things that really concerns me is that, you know, Axonar has a donor store. Mm-hmm. It is a store of products that people who have donated to the production can access. And by buying these products, you are supporting Axonar. Mm-hmm. So whatever it costs, you know, whatever they get, you know, in the profit from those items goes back into the production. Okay, I get it. So they've got Axonar Coffee, which was created by a separate company, a coffee roasting company with the Axonar name. Something mm-hmm. that Axonar does not own. Right. They've got model ships, and they are based on variations of TOS era ships, including the Klingon D7. All of mm-hmm. that is the intellectual property of CBS. They've got patches, and they take great pride in their patches. Lots of they're patches. beautiful. Lots. But yep, they are. Almost all of them represent CBS intellectual property, including the IDIC symbol on one of them. And lastly, they have a t-shirt for sale for donors of something called an Axe-A-Minion. And it's a minion from the Despicable Me movies dressed like they belong in Axonar. And that's not Mm -hmm. even CBS's intellectual property. That's NBC Universal's. Did they get permission for that now? That's the question I'm asking myself. Are we going to see a further lawsuit from NBC Uni because they're selling these shirts with the minion on them? Right. I just hope it's not a stampede. I because that's what I see. I mean, yeah. when, when there's blood in the water, man, you know what happens. Oh, I know. Yeah. I absolutely know. And I think the thing that that really bothers me the most, Dan, is that Alec kind of knew what the rules were, from what I understand. I mean, you know, all you have to do is Google. You know, there's a thread on Trek BBS, you know, that, that talks about CBS's rules of engagement for fan productions and things you can and cannot do. And one of the, the posts in that thread is from somebody who used to work on Star Trek New Voyages, Phase 2 New Voyages, whatever. The, I forget which one they go by now. So, And it, it yep. lists the things that you can't do. And, you know, one of them is Build out a studio for future use. Now, granted, those aren't official rules by any means, but as an entrepreneur and a lawyer, wouldn't he know that doing something like that would probably piss CBS off more than anything? Yep. Yep. It's amazing. One of the things, and this is going to be, this is going to sound like a dig on Alec. And like we've said before a few times tonight, I got no problem with Alec. We've had him on the show a couple times. He's a funny guy. He loves the project that he's working on, and he takes a lot of pride in what he's doing. With that being said, what I saw immediately after the lawsuit was filed and some of the things that I saw written on social media by Alec shocked the hell out of me. As a lawyer, I would think that the one thing you don't want to do is piss off the person that's suing you even more. And I. and some of the things he said, I can't imagine, didn't piss off somebody. They pissed right. me off. Right. Not even the lawyers at CBS. <laughs> um, and I, I just, 
if we want to get this thing settled so that we, the fans, can see a great production, which I'm sure it will be, I hope cooler heads start to prevail, at least on the Axonar side. We, of course, haven't seen anything on the CBS side other than the suit, but I was not impressed with, quote-unquote, I sound like a parent, the behavior I saw initially after the lawsuit got public. Well, and and let's take a step back for a second, because there's something we probably need to say, you know, up front, you know, so that there's no misunderstanding. We're not accusing anybody of doing anything wrong or nefarious or illegal. We are not. We don't believe that has occurred. We not in any way, shape or form. We don't Mm -hmm. think that there is wrongdoing going on with Axonar Productions or Alec Peters or any of the involved Jane Doe's that have been set aside in the lawsuit to be named at a later date. We yep. we're not we're not saying anything like that. I think I speak for you, Dan, when I say that. Oh, absolutely. I 100% agree with you. Absolutely. And I'll say it. I am not saying that either. Absolutely not. We just get that right out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get that right out right now so that there's no misunderstanding. Yep. This is not about hating anybody involved. This is not about wanting to see the project fail. This is about we gave you our money and now we've got some serious questions because we don't understand why you're doing these things. Because you you mm-hmm. ought to know. We know and we're not even film producers. Right. Right. And that, you know, Dan, that's what it comes down to is the common sense of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Common I, sense is perfect. Anyone yeah. think that they could build a studio to use for other things, especially to build a, a subscription-based portal, you know, in, in 10 After years time fact. or whatever. Yeah. What makes them think that, yeah. that that would fly? Yeah. I'm beside myself. Yep. I am. It's, it's very disheartening. Now I'm going to, I'm going to say a couple things and I'm, and I want to get your opinion on them. And they're both very sad in yeah. my opinion. Personally, right now, seeing what I'm seeing and what I know, which is probably not much, I don't know if Axonar is ever going to get made. I just, I'm really worried right now that that's going to be the case. And that's going to be a shame because the potential in that is amazing. That's point number one. And I hope I'm wrong. Point number two, which you said at the beginning of the podcast, you don't, you're not as concerned about. I'm concerned that. If this lawsuit goes through its courses and CBS and Paramount win, what is this going to do with other fan productions that are out there, whether they're really good or really not so good? Is it going to kill all the things that we have grown to enjoy over the years when there has been no official Star Trek? from CBS or from Paramount. I'm worried about that. Um, we've had conversations with people that are also worried about that. And I just don't know what this is going to mean further down the road. Here are my thoughts on that. I think that a lot of these fan productions popped up because we weren't getting Star Trek. I think that some yeah. of them will dry up on their own. I think some of them will still continue because I don't think that this is a broad based measure to put an end to all fan films. I, at this point I do not, Mm -hmm. 
I think if that were true, you would have seen cease and desist served on all productions. And to date, we've not heard about a single okay. one. You know, whether okay. it's Farragut or whether it's New Voyages or whether it's Continues or whether it's, um, yep. oh God, what's the one set in the Enterprise era? Um, Horizon, I think. You know, or Starbase Studios. Captain or, O'Brien? Or, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sorry. I think Star Trek Reliant will live on. And I think anybody who, who YouTube <laughs> is going to get a surprise. But I think that, it, I, I think that for now, you know, until we hear otherwise, we have to assume that there's no open season on fan productions. You know, I'm sure that some of them are being more careful and talking to CBS a little more Mm -hmm. to ensure they don't, you know, get a cease and desist or sued. But the very nature of what they're doing is totally different than some of the things that we know are occurring with Axanar. Nobody's getting a salary. True. You know, nobody's building a business. Yep. The only yep. productions they're shooting are Star Trek right now, and they don't intend to do any right. others. Right. Right. So, yeah. and again, we I'm say open, that man. we say that I'm because open. that's what we've gotten from the official Axonar podcast, and in other things that have been stated. We're not making this mm-hmm. up. You know, if you want to listen to episodes twenty and thirty-one of the Axonar podcast, you can download them and listen to it and hear it for yourself. But. Yep. Like you said, Dan, we can only hope that that cooler heads prevail, and right. and we get to see a movie. I want to see a movie. I actually watched Prelude the other day after this all came out, and it's and and I was actually getting aggravated watching it. So I'm like, and I, I, no, I don't know if this is bleepable. I'm like, damn it, this better get done. That's what I was thinking <laughs> because it's so great. Yeah. So let's hope. Hope and pray. Well, here's the other thing. I know. You know, you talk about you watched it. Well, before the lawsuit, about uh, <laughs> 1.7 million people had watched Prelude. Since the lawsuit, that's like upwards of 1.8 million have watched Prelude. Yeah. 178,000 have watched the Vulcan scene. So that's mm-hmm. a steep drop off. Right, do you know how many steep. people have watched the trailer for Star Trek Beyond in three weeks, Dan? Well, it all depends. Can I put and bitched about it? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the answer um, is... It's been... Uh, I think it's a little higher. I think it's a little higher. The answer is 12 million. Yeah. Yeah. So in over in a year and a half, 1.8 million people have watched Prelude. In a few months, 178,000 have watched the Vulcan scene. In three weeks, yep. 12 million right. people have watched Star Trek Beyond. And I understand that a lot of Axanar fans are upset and they want to boycott CBS and Paramount. They're not going to care. CBS no, is not, not going to care because there are yeah. 12 million people in the bucket. who will line up to watch the content they're producing. Yep. And Absolutely. Yet, it sucks. You know, we want to see the Star Trek we love, but this isn't going to get that done. No, it's so. not. And um, and and that twelve million—that's is that just online? That doesn't include the eighty quadrillion people that saw Star Wars over the last three weeks. <laughs> yeah. So let me clarify: that's just on YouTube. Those are stats from you. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Twelve million. 
Unreal. So, Dan, on to happier news. As we've mentioned, this is the 50th anniversary year for Star Trek. And you and I are going to celebrate in a way that involves a whole bunch of people. Fair enough? Yeah. Yeah? Fair enough. (laughs) And that's what I think is cool is that uh, we're letting everybody else celebrate with us. Um, Very, very cool. We, uh, like, like we talked about, for 50 years, we've shared these adventures together. Um, and we want all of you to tell us about the first time you ever watched Star Trek, uh, in our special Trek 50 project that we're putting together. Um, all you have to do is leave us a message telling us how you began your Trek. <laughs> I like that play on words. <laughs> uh, is there a specific episode that you remember first watching? What did you like about it? What made you want to keep watching this special show? Um, was there somebody with you? All these things. We want as many details as possible. And what we're going to do is we're going to take all of these messages and we're going to publish them in a special podcast episode marking Star Trek's 50th anniversary later on this year. In the beginning of the podcast, I believe we said August, September, maybe. Um, But we want as many stories as possible. We want everybody to just get in contact with us and, and tell us your story. Um, there's a bunch of ways that you can do it. A couple of ways I should say. Um, first of all, uh, like we've talked about before, uh, and every podcast, you can call us and leave a voicemail at area code 508-784-1701. And my very technically savvy partner here has got a great new fate feature on our website at trekgeeks.com where you can actually click the button. There's a green button that says, uh, um, is it a green button? It's a blue button because I am colorblind where you can actually send us a vo- voicemail. You'll click record, leave us a voicemail. We'll get it on the website and uh, we'll be able to incorporate it into that show. We just want to know your name, your location, and that story of, uh, of your first Trek viewing. Um, I do want to say one thing though, Bill. Yeah. Uh, our good friend out in Colorado pointed this out to us that mobile users may need to download the SpeakPipe app if they're going to do a recording on their mobile device. But if you do it on your computer, you should just be able to click the button and leave a voice message. Is well, that also, correct? Uh, that is. Uh, also, Android users, you'll be prompted to use the yes. Android voice recorder. You won't have to download an app. Uh, but if you don't want to use any of those messages or methods, you can just call the phone number 508-784-1701 yep. and just leave this the message. Um, the fine print... All voicemail and audio submissions that you send to us for Trek 50 will be used in a future episode of the podcast. And once you send them to them, they're ours. We may edit for yeah. <laughs> we may edit for dead air or pauses, but we're going to keep the content of your message as it is. So please, you know, spread this among your Trek friends. You know, uh, share it in whatever groups you want you participate in. If you know somebody at work, say hey. You, you could participate in this. We're going to be collecting messages up until September. And then in September for the That's 50th awesome. anniversary, we'll drop a special podcast episode with all of your stories because this is our 50th. So <laughs> if you want to find out more, you can go to trekgeeks.com slash trek50. That's trekgeeks.com slash trek50. 
And of course, there'll be a link to Trek 50 in the notes for this podcast. Uh, we'll be talking about it all year long. So, uh, yes. so we, we really hope everybody participates. Um, I'm sure Dan at some point will leave his own message about his story and I'll leave mine. We've had a few people, you know, already leave messages, yes. which has been great. Um, yep. And we, we look forward to sharing this anniversary with all of you because this is our year. Oh God, it's going to be so I awesome. I can't wait for all the stuff, all the fun stuff. I mean, I mean, of course the movie and the new show and Vegas. Oh my God. But just all the other things that I'm sure are going to pop up that we don't expect. And we're just going to be surprised by can't wait. We may have to walk around STLV 50 with sandwich boards and a microphone that say, tell us about the first time you watch Trek. <laughs> yeah. And do this I, gorilla I style. Put you on a sandwich board. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do this gorilla style. Like it. I so, like it. Please, please, we hope you'll all participate. Uh, if you do it now, you don't have to do it later. That's the beautiful part. Um, but seriously, uh, happy anniversary to us all. And it's, it's certainly a year to celebrate. Um, thinking about the 50th brings a big smile to my face and I know it does for you too, Dan, and it's going to be a year of some great, great things. And we can't wait to be a part of it with all of you. Well said partner. Thanks, Mr. Executive producer. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now. Well, uh, Hey, super fan 1701. What do you say? We put a wrap (laughs) on this one. Wrap up our first official 2016 podcast. Number 43. Wow. And in just a couple of weeks, it's our one-year anniversary of Trek Geeks. Who would have thought? I thought it would have killed you by now. <laughs> if <laughs> The only reason you haven't is because we live in different states, buddy. <laughs> we should point out oh. that uh, we have to thank our friends in the band Five Year Mission, without oh, whom God, yeah. we wouldn't have all this amazing music. We're looking forward to seeing them in Vegas. Hopefully, they'll be back as the house band. Yes. So if you want to... If you want to tug CBS's ear on something, do it about this. Tell them and tell Creation Entertainment that you want to see Five Year Mission back as the house band for STLV 50. Uh, make it so. It's just, you're going to be glad. Ah, make it you so. Know. Silly, man. I know, I am I like so it. silly. But for now, <laughs> for now, this has been episode 43 of Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. We wish you all the happiest of New Year's. We hope you all live long and prosper www.trekgeeks slash coconut50. Let's do it. (laughs) You realize that URL doesn't work, right? Well, it will. (laughs) Bye. Bing bong. Wow, really? <laughs> uh, wanted to start off well. Oh, yeah. Well, that'll be first. Uh, wow. Okay. So. Here we go. My wife. Mm-hmm. Do you, well, you saw my Facebook video, didn't you? Yes. So my wife got a 
motion activated color changing toilet bowl light. Yes. Very cool. I, um, the first night we had it, I got up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and I lifted the lid and all of a sudden I'm met by this. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It starts off as like this white light and then it changes pretty much through all the colors and the the visible spectrum practically. And when it's not looking like toxic waste green, which at sometimes is fitting, I'm sure. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It, uh, it goes through fuchsia and red and (laughs) I sit there giggling like, like a dummy every time, like (laughs) lights changing. I saw the video and I showed Sue and she just kind of just looked at it and nodded and shook her head a little bit. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I said, do you mean we're not going to get one? I went pretty caca. <laughs> pretty caca. <laughs> Hashtag pretty caca. Hold on, I'll get in my drink. It's on the other desk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, got the, I got the blue mic going. The snowball? I don't know why I said that. You can't hear me. I got my first podcast margarita ready to go, and I left it on the other table. Well, that's not convenient. I have a Shiner Bach tonight. Shiner Bach? Yep. That's what, gonna, that's what you're going to get when I punch you in your face. Well, you sound good. No, I Thank you. You sound fantastic. I mean the quality of the microphone. All right. <laughs> How far away is it? Uh, you know, uh, eight, eight, ten inches maybe. That's pretty good. I tested it earlier. I tested it, recorded it, and then I hooked up my other mic and tested it and recorded it. It was very little difference. Really? Yeah. It doesn't sound as bright to me. Well, I'm not too bright anyway. So. I was going to say it's just like you. Ah, thanks. See, I'm beating you to it. <laughs> boom, boom. That's good. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Bow. So many things listening to that uh, outtakes special that i could have put in the album cover and completely forgot gilligan the skipper sneezing (laughs) (laughs) okay all righty yeah we're gonna pull up the uh stuff here because we got lots to talk about because nothing's really happened in the past couple of weeks i know right i i i probably put too much information in there but a lot of that's sort of memory dump just in case oh yeah that's fine we don't necessarily have to hit all of it, but we can. I'm going to hit you. And I don't care if we run over an hour this week or not. So Okay. Let me just mute my iPad here because it just ding-donged. Uh, no velociraptors? On my ding-dong. No, the iPad doesn't. It was just a Twitter. It was just a Twitter. Actually, no, it was the Star Trek official Star Trek game saying that my crew was all fully healed again. Because I am like playing that game like religiously now. The official Star Trek game? Yeah, the one with like the bejeweled. Oh, Wrath they of They have all kinds of um, special events every week, and right now I'm going to get the character Rock. Oh, cool. <laughs> yes. That is the equation. <laughs> <laughs> so you are referring to Star Trek, the Wrath of Gems. The Wrath the Lord of Gems. knows gems are wrathful. Yes. The Wrath of Gems. Gemma. <laughs> okay very good that was excellent thank you but there's I no money in the future there is no money in the future but there is latinum so are there gems spike and flame gems Spike and flame gems right there you go could be they just are of no use to the federation none none whatsoever 
Only to Cyrano Jones. Yes. Men tribbles are not dangerous. <laughs> Luckily, neither are you. I can be very dangerous, mister. I doubt that, sir. <laughs> I try not to be. I'm cuddly like a treble. Cut. <laughs> Boba Fett, where? <laughs> oh, it was a good movie, man. I enjoyed it thoroughly. JJ sure it was be very proud of himself. He's uh, I'm sure he put together a fine movie. I have yes. no qualms. Yeah. I just am not feeling the need to see it. No, it's all right. And I was very happy that I stayed away from all the spoilers for the two weeks before I saw it. Uh, and was, uh, nothing was something that I already knew about. So it was cool. And wait, wait, say that again. Nothing was something that I already knew about. Nothing was something that already, there was nothing that I did not know ahead of time. <laughs> so <laughs> you bow, knew. My beer cap battle tap. <laughs> so you knew everything ahead of time. Oh, I said that wrong. So shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and here's an interesting little, little tidbit of information, which I'm sure you will be thrilled at. English is your second language. Yeah. <laughs> As is typing. <laughs> um, today is January 6, 2016. Yes. It took Avatar 312 days to become the number one movie in the history of the United States. It took 20 days for The Force Awakens to beat that number. It's because Avatar sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Avatar the first time I saw it when it was called Fern Gully. <laughs> I liked it the second time I saw it when it was called Pocahontas. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know, I've only seen that movie once. I haven't seen Avatar. No desire. No, it, it was, it was okay. It was great. And of course, now Disney's making a whole land of Avatar. I didn't realize Disney had any rights to it. They got into a special agreement with James Cameron, and part of Animal Kingdom has been now shut down because they're going to to create Pandora there. Oh, great. Yeah, we. I can't even name any characters in the movie. Don't care. Except it looks a lot like World of Warcraft. I can tell you this. I'll see Star Wars The Force Awakens before I ever see Avatar. Well, that's okay. I'll go with you. And I'll tell you everything. Do you have to? Obviously go with not. me, that is. Obviously, I don't see that you do. <laughs> see that you do. 